Good morning, Alan. Billy, you can sense in Bradley's voice there, uh, and I was speaking to him again off air, and even earlier this morning, how tired everyone is, particularly when they're going through this, and their lives have been just turned upside down and back to front. Yes, I mean, there's no doubt, and as time goes on and as the war goes on, I mean, the refugees will be in a, in a worse state in terms of exhaustion, in terms of fear and anxiety. Bear in mind that the first wave of uh, people that crossed the border, you know, would have been moving in advance of shelling uh, into most cities. But in the last number of weeks, um, you know, the refugees coming from Kharkiv, from Kiev, from Donetsk, from Mariupol and from um, Dnieper and many other cities now in the eastern Ukraine, certainly, um, you know, they're coming with um, a view of war that has, you know, really opened up our eyes to what the horror is. And there's no doubt um, there's now millions of people potentially on the move in Ukraine heading towards uh, the European borders. And bear in mind, um, the United Nations have already said that there's over 2 million have crossed the border, probably 2.5 million at this stage, into the European Union. And that doesn't look like easing up anytime soon because of the indiscriminate shelling by the Russians into right. civilian targets. I want you to share with us what you saw when you were there, but I just want to look at some of the, the, the current news stories that emanating. One is that, and this could be positive news in this Monday morning, morning uh, there's a, a possibility that Putin and Zelensky will meet. It could be agreed within days. Now, would, you, would that give you any form of optimism, or do you think it might be cosmetic? What do you think, uh, Billy? Well, look, certainly you'd like to hope that there's enough sane people left in Russia uh, at the higher levels of, of political life to encourage Putin to uh, come to the negotiating table. Um, you know, we've been led to believe that um, Putin, you know, was never interested in invading. It was only always going to be a short, sharp, um, you know, in intervention. That clearly was never the case. That was always lies by Russia. Uh, they are intent on dismantling the Ukrainian state. And, you know, there's no doubt they were surprised with the resistance put up by the Ukrainian army and the Ukrainian people. So they now are in a different phase of um, looking at this particular war. It's now a war of attrition. And unfortunately, they are, you know, carrying out appalling acts. And, you know, the Russian hierarchy will have to realize that, you know, this will have to to be paid for, not in financial terms, but in political accountability and sanction accountability at some stage. So, you know, you'd like to think that there's a move now afoot to realise that they can't win this war quickly right. and that they will have to negotiate. Right, two other areas that I'd like to get your view on before we get your observations, what you saw in Ukraine. Two and a half thousand civilians apparently have been killed in Mariupol. We've seen mass graves, we've seen people fighting over scraps of food, uh, trying to melt down snow into water. This is something we never thought we would see in this uh, century, did we? Ever. Yeah, I mean, that's what, uh, you know, m most amazed me and sadly me to the point where uh, 2022, you know, you're looking at optimism after the, coming through the whole COVID crisis. And then all of a sudden this war starts in the middle of Europe and that you could see people fleeing their homes and crossing borders. It's like something you would see in a World War Two film. And yet it is so real. And when you're up close and you actually see these people um, elderly people uh, walking mile after mile after mile, uh, young mothers or young mothers with young children. Um, no, no young men there. All the young men are not allowed to leave the country, so they are actually, you know, um, obviously involved in the war effort or at least not uh, leaving the country. Yeah. So um, it is a terrible sight to see being truthful. And uh, you know, I mean, we have to say to Russia at this stage, like that, regardless of what they do now. I mean, there has to be some. Um, sanction on, and we have to say to Russia that you can't just have a ceasefire and think everything is fine. You know, th there has to be accountability for what they're doing and what they have done yeah. in recent weeks uh, to 
thousands of people, two and a half thousand people killed in Maripol. You saw the attack on the maternity hospital, children's hospital. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the, these are war crimes. All right, and what happened yesterday, 10 kilometres from the Polish border, um, that is that really a, an escalation of what we've already seen and the threat of Im- involving NATO? Because that then would put us on potentially a world war footing, Billy. Yes, I mean, look, I mean, we still have to hope that there's calm heads on, on all sides. Um, clearly, that uh, missile strike into um, a military facility near the Polish border, in, in my view, and speaking to some colleagues, uh, over there was really to send a message clearly to uh, NATO that, you know, their missiles can reach um, NATO territory. So, I mean, it wasn't just picked at random. This is obviously strategically done. And, um, you know, they they obviously want to try and, uh, you know, intimidate um, Poland and other countries uh, along the border. But what I found amazing, Alan, and, you know, we're all guilty of this particular fact. I mean, for two years, colleagues that I work with now in the European Parliament in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania kept telling me that the Russians, you know, would come back, um, that they would try and annex uh, large parts of uh, what are now independent countries. And we dismissed them to the point where we thought that maybe they were scarred by the history and the trouble that they've had over the years in terms of being members of the old USSR and all of that. Uh, And we probably just didn't believe them. And now it is very evident that they were right and they did have that... um, you know, that concern that Russia would become very aggressive. And it's very evident as what's happening in Ukraine. Look, uh, what did you see when you were over there? It's a few days since you've come back now, but you, did you actually go across the border? Where did you go? Yes, I, I crossed the border in a place called Medica. It's um, uh, on the road from Szeszu, which is an airport where Ryanair flies into in eastern Poland. And I, uh, we drove them to Lviv, uh, and we were there for uh, the day meeting with uh, various political groupings. We met with the governor, the mayor, and we met with MPs, uh, members of parliament, the Ukrainian parliament, some of them who had come back from Kiev. And um, then we just looked around the city in terms of just seeing the number of refugees begin to flow in. Bear in mind that this was last Saturday week um, when we were there, but you could see the teams of people, um, you know, arriving into Lviv uh, on trains, and then a lot of them were arriving in foot as well. But when we crossed the border from Poland into Ukraine on the Saturday morning, uh, we were driving. Um, we passed a queue of people about five kilometres long, um, five deep, uh, breastbone to backbone, um, lined up trying to get across the border. Elderly people primarily and um, uh, women with young children. Uh, and um, we saw a woman in her 70s or 80s pushing probably her husband in the wheelchair and the tyres at the stage were all charged, punctured, uh, warden, and she pushing um, her husband at least um, five kilometres from the border crossing. So you could see now while they were physically still okay in terms of, uh, but it was taking a toll at this stage when we met some of them, they had been standing for hours. It was minus five at night and it was beginning to have an impact. But the refugees that are coming now will obviously be in worse shape because they're coming from actually bombed out cities um, as the corridors open up from um, Kharkiv and from yes. Mariupol and from Dnipro. You know? So it's going to get progressively worse unless there's an immediate ceasefire. So, I mean, every, every pressure must be brought to bear to just uh, say to Putin and uh, his, his ilk and cronies right. that, you know, if they don't have an immediate ceasefire, the longer this goes on, the larger uh, the sanction will be on Russia uh, for a long time to come.
Billy, they've really clamped down on the press over there. There's some very brave journalists, and I'm sure you, like me, uh, and you're in a European base, uh, have been just literally monitoring all sorts of channels. Late last night I was watching it. I've seen this incredible man called Navalny, who's now in prison, who has done it, uh, that's been watched by several million people. It's well worth checking out on YouTube, because he doesn't hold back. Um, But correct me if I'm wrong whoever's going to take out Putin and at this stage people believe he should be taken out um, people think it may not be the oligarchs will do it but it could be people within his former um, teammates in the KGB is that is that your understanding that if anyone's going to turn Turk on him it could be from within the old KGB or have I got that wrong? Well, look, I mean, I just don't know how the inner workings uh, in, in, in his um, Politburo work. Uh, all I do know is that he's all-powerful in Russia. Um, he, he, there's, there's no free media. Um, he has publicly, um, let's be honest, I mean, he poisoned um, his uh, main nemesis in um, uh, Navalny, who's now in jail in Russia. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he, he stopped at nothing in terms of keeping his power base within his own group uh, in Moscow as well. Uh, so, you know, whether he can be taken out or um, is assassinated removed. or whether he's, he's yeah. removed, uh, that's all speculative. But all we do know is that if there isn't a ceasefire soon, there will be appalling um, uh, death and destruction that continue in the Ukraine. And the point is, he has to be made aware that he has to be held accountable for this if there's not a ceasefire and some immediate settlement. Otherwise, um, if this drags on... Um, you know, it really have a devastating impact on uh, lives and uh, Ukraine in general. Final question for you. You're a long time in politics. Would you describe what you saw in Ukraine when you were there? It, the way you've described that poor man in a wheelchair being pushed by his wife and the tyres worn down. I mean, that to me, I can just actually see that picture as I'm speaking to you this morning because radio is all about painting pictures. Would you describe what you've seen as a, as a life-changing experience for you? Yeah, well, look, Alan, being truthful, I, I'm a fairly hard-nosed person. I've been in public life a long time, but um, what I saw on that Saturday morning um, really just, you know, um, I saw the refugee camps in um, Tanzania in 1994 as well, uh, after the Hutu Tutsi violence in Rwanda and the spillover. Uh, but I wasn't in those camps. I could just see them from a distance. But walking past these people, just walking past them, looking them in the eye, and they huddled together um mums with young children. Um, I saw a father uh, walking to the border, border with his wife and his daughter and his son. His son was uh, had a disability. Um, and, you know, you could see the son bawling, crying, not wanting to leave his father go as they crossed the border. So it was quite, quite, um, yeah, it was a very emotional experience for me, yeah. but not as much as um, the impact it's having on those people. But um, yeah. life, life, uh, a life-changing observation, in my view, yes. So that father was actually turning back. He had to go back and fight. He had to go back. He wasn't allowed to leave. I don't think he was leaving anyway, but he was just making sure they got to the border and right. he was going back. But just to see you know, a family being torn apart um, and just the vulnerability of that family in terms of their life and what yeah. was ahead of them um, truly just sent a message to me that you know, Russia has to be brought to a book on this in terms of sanctions as severe as possible. And it's not to hurt the Russian people, but it is to uh, hurt uh, Putin and his cronies and, and all the others. And if uh, the ambassador in Dublin is listening, if he's uh, inside uh, his embassy in Dublin, you know, he should relay every day of the week that the Irish people find what he's doing and what Putin is doing the most offensive, disgusting thing that I've ever seen in terms of war in Europe. And um, he has a lot to answer for as well.